Blog Talk Radio. Redbird Rants podcast. This is episode five. I am Michael Miles, editor for Redbird Rants. Want to welcome you tonight. And I am joined am tonight by Josh McDonald. Josh, how are you? I'm great. I'm loving the uh, intro music. Isn't that great? That's our official music right there. It's incredible. And we are joined as well tonight by Tito Rivera. Tito, how are you? I'm doing great. Love the intro music as well. Personal touch of mine. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, it's a really good lead in. You know, last time we did episode four, I had to improvise and use something and it was okay. But to have the official music, oh my goodness, what a great lead in, right? Absolutely. It just gets me pumped. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and plenty of reason to be. So, uh, we want to welcome you. We are writers for Redbird Rants. You can find us at redbirdrants.com. We are a member of the fan-sided group, which is owned by Time Magazine. And we are your site for all things St. Louis Cardinals related. And it's it's really good to talk tonight because we were wonderful uh, today out on the diamond. Right, fellas? It was a great way to start June. That's, that's for sure. Uh, after... The way May ended, uh, it was really nice to see them them win today and head up to Chicago on a, on a good note. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think today was definitely important to keep the winning streak going, get some momentum back on your side, and, and really show that you're uh, able to hang with the Dodgers. You know, we didn't – you know, they played seven games in, in May, you know, and they ended up – you know, Dodgers ended up winning four of them, but the Cardinals showed that, you know, they're not going to be pushed around. Um, and I've said it before, this could be a, that could have been an NLDS preview and to see the Cardinals be able to hang. I like their chances. I, I think it's great. You know, I think the thing that really impressed me in this series, well, actually just in today's game, most importantly, um, was Wainwright's performance. I mean, the man has showed us wrong. You know, I was kind of worried about him going into, uh, what, his last three starts. But in those three, he has really shown that he can command the mound again. I know that he had his his curveball working today. Man, that was a thing of beauty, the way it would drop in there. And um, I'm glad to hear that he has abandoned the cutter and gone back to just the, the fastball. And that seems to be setting up that curveball much nicer, uh, much more nicely. And I'm glad that he has done that. So glad of that. Also glad to see Paul DeYoung continue to have a great time at, with his call-up. Uh, he's somebody out of Memphis who is really great in Memphis. I'm glad to see that he's carrying that forward. I do want to say one thing, and then we're going to jump into the agenda. I am a little disappointed in Fox Sports Midwest. I did enjoy the shot of Paul DeYoung's family in the first game, but I'm a little exhausted with him now. How about you guys? Yeah, <laughs> a little excessive. I found myself kind of exhausted with Fox Sports Midwest broadcasting overall lately outside of that. I mean, yesterday's game, I'm sitting there and they spent nearly half the time talking about Pujols and the other half talking about Yadier's future as a manager. Like, can we talk about the task at hand a little bit? Yeah. You know, I think that's well said, and that, that's something that happens a lot. In fact, if you watch today's game, they got off on a very long tangent about Dexter Fowler's shoes and the contracts that players sign with shoe and glove providers. 
all that to be said, it, it's great to have the Cardinals have a win. It's great for them to have an, a happy flight. And we have got a great load of topics to get into today. So, fellas, let's dive right into it. The first thing that we should talk about are all the recent roster moves and potentially more roster moves to come. Let's talk a little about Grichik going to single A. Talk a little about maybe the return of Magnus Sierra. Talk about uh, Jonathan Broxton and maybe even – Oh, I dare say, Johnny Peralta. Or how about, um, you know, any implications that these things have? So let's just toss it out there. And uh, because Tito is down in a hole, let's have Josh, let's have you talk about it first. And Tito, you're on deck. Perfect. I think I should always go before Tito. Uh, (laughs) You know, the Grishuk move, it wasn't terribly surprising that he was sent down, but I think the shocker was that it was to Palm Springs. I think that has to kind of be a, a shot to his ego a little bit. I can understand Moe's uh, explanation of it. That's where he's going to get the most at bats. Fine, but getting sent to, to high A is a lot different than just going down to Memphis to try and work on things. Uh, hopefully he can get it figured out. I don't know what their plan is with him going forward. If it's get some work at high A, then go to triple A and then potentially come back. But cause I don't think that getting your swings at high A and then coming back to the majors is going to, uh, do a whole lot for him considering just the level of play between the two. Um, but as I said last time, I'm a Grishik apologist and I want him to succeed probably more than any player on this team. So I really hope he can get it figured out there. Or I think this might be his last chance. There's only so many times you can send a guy down and hope he figures it out. Uh, but in turn, you, you look at uh, another outfielder who's going to be coming up for the weekend. And, uh, good old Mags uh, coming up because Jerko is going on paternity leave. Uh, congratulations to Jed and his wife. Um I would really like to see Sierra actually stay up instead of Jose Martinez, nothing against Martinez, but I think Sierra kind of adds a different dimension to the team that we don't really have uh, outside of just a little bit with Fowler. Uh, I think that speed is just impressive. And I think that that would be a pretty awesome thing to just even have on the bench, but I can understand wanting him to get reps down in the minors. Uh, Same thing goes for uh, Paul DeYoung. Love seeing him up. I don't know if he'll stay up. I think that he should, and I believe, that, as you mentioned with Johnny Peralta, I think he should be DFA'd once Wong comes off the DL. I think that's kind of the only thing that makes sense at this point. He doesn't really have a spot. Bring, up, bring Wong off the DL and keep DeYoung. Let's keep some of this youth up here. And speaking of DFAs, I don't know if I've been more excited lately than when I saw that the Cardinals finally bit the bullet and got rid of Jonathan Broxton. I mean, this was a long time coming. I think that this should have been done probably at the end of the last year. Signing him to a two-year deal was just a mistake. It's probably one of the – and it's definitely in the top five for me for mistakes Mo has made. He hasn't made many, so five might be uh, uh, where it's at completely, but it's definitely in there. But I'm excited to see what uh, John Gant can do and potentially some other arms if Gant doesn't work out. Yeah, you mentioned the Broxton move, you know, long time coming. I mean, this, this should have, you know, they shouldn't have even re-signed him at all. I mean, this, it was just, it's too much. Um, he, he wasn't performing, yet the carpet was being rolled out for him every single time. So I, I don't understand the move to put him in the, in the, in a game. Um, I know he's a bullpen arm, but I mean, he just was, he was just rock face and he was eating it up. And it's, it's unfortunate. You never want to see a guy lose a job, but it was his time. As for Gritchick going to single a, uh, yeah, you, how else can, what, what can you say about sending somebody to Palm Springs? I mean, you know, last show, last episode, we discussed, you know, if anything, he was going to go down to AAA or not at all. And yet he's now in single A ball. There's two things that come to mind for me when I saw this. The first is, Mosaic is done with Kritchik. I don't think, I don't think he cares for him anymore. I don't think, you know, you don't, 
get sent down to single A to work on your swing. <laughs> I mean, you get I get that you're going to get at bats, but there's something else there that just isn't sitting well, and I think, you know, that's just on the back burner right now. But there's there's got to be a little bit more to the story than sending him to single A. You mentioned his ego, and uh, Josh, and that might be it. Maybe he was kind of like the Colby Rasmus kind of attitude, like, I, I know how to hit this way. I want to do it that way. And he wasn't really buying into anything else. So it's, it's really difficult to, to comprehend this kind of move. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I've been saying it, and I'll say it one more time. Sorry, Grichik, but I, I think your time is done, you know, as a starter. You can be a bench player. You can be a fourth outfielder, but I don't think you should be starting right now, and probably not when you come back. Um, it'll be nice to see Magnair Sierra this weekend in Chicago. I think everybody in Cardinals Twitterverse is extremely excited for that. So it'll be really nice to see um, his speed and, and his bat back in the lineup. I would wonder when he is going to play. Um, I know that the Cubs will roll out with John Lackey and Kyle Hendricks as two right-handers. Um, and I can't remember if he got a start against John Lester last time, but I would guess that Sierra probably would get in the game tomorrow, maybe give Tommy Pham a day off because of, uh, the traveling, travel implications and having the game in the, in the day. So yeah, I could see that, but it'll be really nice to see him come back and, and contribute to the team again. And I'm with you, Josh. I, I really hope he stays too. And, you know, Nothing against uh, Jose Martinez. I think he's capable. You know, he has a great story. But you're right. Sierra adds a different dimension to this team that, frankly, the Cardinals haven't had in forever, and that's speed. You just – it's like I've said before. You cannot teach speed. You either have it or don't. And Sierra is one of those players that can make a difference on the base pads. I mean, you talk about players like Billy Hamilton – who can walk, steal second, maybe even third, and get get home on uh get home on a base hit or a sack fly or whatever. You know, that's the kind of thing that the Cardinals are looking for. Um and and the whole thing with Peralta, I mean, this is almost like it's almost like Broxton. You know, you kind of have seen this coming for a long time. The Cardinals just haven't pulled the trigger on it. And it's you know, it's time to probably cut loose ends with uh, Johnny Peralta and as much as, as much joy as he's brought me. I mean, I think the, you know, my favorite memory of Peralta was that uh, go ahead ninth inning home run against the Cubs and Wrigley not too long ago, but you know, ship has sailed. I think it's time for Peralta to go. You know, I want to jump in. I, I love what each of you had to say. I had not even considered, I have to admit, the ego portion of Grichik being sent to single A. I will tell you, and as both of you well know, I am a huge conspiracy theorist. And I think well, what came to my mind was that Mosaic was sending him to single A so that he could actually tear it up and have some really great numbers because Mo's trying to find him. In- and I think that if he'd gone down to AAA, the fear there is that he would have been compared to Harrison Bader. And right now, Harrison's doing really well, and so is Nick Martini. So, I mean, they're just full of people down in Memphis who actually are performing really well. And I think that Mosaic was trying to avoid Grichik getting hidden by them, and I think he was trying to get him some numbers. Now, I will admit that there is a very slim likelihood of trading a player out of single A like Grichik, with the exception of the major league clock that he has, the time of service that he has provided. Now, that being said, I was, just like you, Josh, overjoyed when the news came down of Bruxton's release. Overjoyed. Because the man was dead weight. Nothing to be said about his actual waistline. But he was also, you know, one of Matheny's of those that Matheny would cart out there even if he only had one leg. And I think that Kevin Segrist is another one just like that. I think if necessary, 
Matheny would put Segrist on a dolly and roll him out there, Hannibal Lecter style, so that he could pitch, you know, regardless of whether he could or couldn't. And so certainly Mosley looked at the step in the great one to make. Now, I heard something interesting today during the broadcast, that Magnaris may not be the one who's coming up because it is such a short time. The thought is that they'll be bringing someone up to take Jerko's spot as he's gone on paternity leave, and congratulations to Jed Jerko and his wife on another baby. But the thought there is that maybe Bravik Valera out of Memphis, the second baseman, will come up to spell some more middle infield relief. Bravik is a very interesting player, somebody I've written often about, someone who has really good um, really good power with his defender. Call up, the, give him some service time. Go ahead, Tina. And I actually, actually, there there are reports already saying that Magnair Sierra is in Chicago. So I think that should be put to rest. I'm trying to remember who was. Yeah, I can actually confirm that. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Jose De Jesus Ortiz of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch tweeted about an hour ago, for those wondering, Magnaris Sierra arrived in Chicago early today. The SEL cards will make move to fill roster during spot, a spot during Jerko leave. Well, that's wonderful, and I actually like that move. I would have liked the Brazen Valera move as well, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Now, I will say this. If he's coming up, I hope he stays. I don't know how that's yeah. going to happen, but I hope he stays. Yeah. I, I do too. I mean, you, I guess the the move is to send Jose Martinez down. I mean, that's the only other option that you probably realistically have, unless you're willing to uh, cut ties with another arm, like a bullpen arm, like uh, Sokolovich or somebody like that. Well, we put Sokolovich through waivers, no one picked him up, and now he's in Memphis. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I'm right there with you. And uh, honestly, it may be, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of Jose Martinez. I spoke with him personally. I think he's a really wonderful player. But he may be the one that, you're right, that goes down. Uh, and, I, and I honestly would probably choose keeping Magnera Sierra over Jose. And uh, no offense to Jose at all. I just think that uh, – you know, Jose doesn't bring the speed that Magnaris brings. And Jose doesn't bring uh, the ability, honestly, to play center that Magnaris brings. And we know that Magnaris really is the future of the Cardinals outfield. Yeah, I think the only thing that Jose Martinez actually brings to the Cardinals is versatility and the fact that he can play first base and the outfield. Well, I say first base lightly, but he does have that versatility and should the Cardinals need a right-handed hitting first baseman um, that's not Jed Jerko or Yadier Molina, um, Jose Martinez would be that option. I guess Piscotti could be as well, but I, I would rather much see him in the outfield. You know, you bring up a really great point, and let me ask a question to the both of you because I actually wrote about this. You mentioned Yadier playing first. Uh, I wrote recently that I, I do honestly feel like the time may have come for us to bring Carson Kelly up. I, I'm not around my computer to pull up his numbers, but I know he's absolutely tearing it up, uh, tearing the cover off the ball down in Memphis. And I just find myself wondering if this is the time to, you know, give Yachty some rest, let Carson come up, let him learn with Yachty, and allow Yachty to be the right-handed backup at first. What do you guys think about that? Well, I I gotta say I gotta agree a little bit with you. It's hard for me to look at Carson Kelly hitting 326 with seven home runs, 22 RBIs in Memphis right now, and think that he he should stay there. I mean, you gotta think he should play with play with the big the big club. But the problem is, you just signed that extension. The, the spot's a little bit more of an of a question. When's he coming up? I don't know how realistic it is that. Yachty would play first base. I think fans and maybe the team might want him to, but I feel like Yachty is a guy that's not really going to settle for that. I think he wants to 
play catcher until he can't bend down anymore is I just the kind of vibe I get from him. He's, he's a workhorse and he wants to catch 162 games as unrealistic as that probably is even, especially at the age he's at. I think, I think it's going to be hard to get him over to first. I, I find it interesting that, that they knew Carson Kelly was, you know, almost major league ready. Why wouldn't they make him the backup already? I mean, I, I understand you want to get him at bats. You want to keep developing him. But at this point, you know, if, if you're going to go that route, what's what's holding you back from doing it now? Um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm with Josh. There's no way you out here. There, I'm going to say as frankly as I can, there is not a chance that Yadier Molina would give up catching for the San Jose Cardinals. Not a chance. I, I, I won't entertain that, and I don't think he would even entertain it. And if you tried to make him change, I guarantee you he would ask for a trade the next day. You know, something I've always and, and wondered about when it comes to backup catchers, I agree. Why not bring up Carson Kelly to be the backup? What, what does it hurt? I know he's not getting his reps that he would be getting in AAA, but isn't, not, he the name of, isn't it the name of the game, putting out, winning and putting out the best team? Having Carson Kelly as your backup catcher is probably the best team. But when you look at Cardinal backup catchers, every, every year it's like, okay, this guy's going to be the catcher. He's coming in because he's, he's going to be a better backup catcher and make it safer for us to not use Yachty. That clearly did not work out with Pena last year due to injuries and just being all around bad. And they went back to Fryer this year. But we never see these guys unless it's a, a getaway day. Like, that's, that's the only time we see them. They never, like, try to get that extra time for Yachty to, to rest. So I've never understood why, why, why carry a second catcher sometimes. It's like, let's carry an extra bullpen arm. We're never going to use this catcher. Let's have an emergency catcher. It makes more sense to me because Eric Fryer never sees the field. Well, guys, who is our emergency catcher? Greg Garcia. Yep, Greg. Now, I would pay money to watch that man get behind the plate. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a be, big Greg Garcia fan. Yeah, it'd be pretty interesting. But, I mean, again, Carson Kelly has nothing to prove at this point in AAA. I mean, when you're batting 326 down there – that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to 326 in the major leagues, but you really don't have anything left to do. You hit for power, you hit for average, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be the heir to the catching throne. Um, so, I, I, you know, at this point, it's, it's almost like what Josh is saying, put your best team out there. And I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of us would love to see Carson Kelly up, I just think, you know, you're going to get a lot of backlash when he does come up and he's not playing every day. But that's what you have to teach your young players. Know your role. Perform when you're given the opportunity. That's it. And go about your business. I mean, Josh, if you were, if you were Carson Kelly and you got the call up, wouldn't you be excited? Oh, 100%. doesn't matter yeah. – doesn't matter how much I'm playing, I'm I'm coming up to the team. That's and, that's that's the goal. And you're gonna get your starts, and you're gonna get your turns at bat. You'll get to pinch hit. There's no reason. There's no reason for for anybody to be for Carson Kelly to be upset if he were to get called up at this point, and Eric Fryer was released. There's no reason for him to be upset. It's just he needs to he needs to know his role, and everybody else needs to know that too. Fans, the other players, everybody needs to know that Yadier Molina is still going to be the starting catcher, but Carson Kelly is your backup. That's it. I know it's a ways away, but I feel like uh, expanded rosters are going to be really fun for the Cardinals this year, just considering all the young guys that I think are going to be on the bench for us at the very least. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm really, really, really interested in Harrison Bader. Really am. I think that you guys are, are dead on uh, with all of your comments. I too feel like the time is right to release Eric Fryer. I like him a lot, but I think that he's holding a spot that needs to be filled by Carson Kelly. 
And that's just the reality of that. So I think you guys hit that on the head. I, too, am really excited for expanded rosters. And I have a feeling that the genius who makes our agendas for our podcast will probably start to pull that in at some point. But speaking maybe. of that, let's take us a yeah, maybe. Let's take us a little break and we'll be right back after this. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. You're listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast. This is episode five. I am Michael Miles, editor of Redbird Rants, and I am joined tonight by Tito Rivera and Josh McDonald. How are you guys? Still doing good? Yes, sir. Absolutely. I actually uh, have right, the so- uh, spelling bee on in the background. It's incredible. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad you have some intelligence going on because Tito and I are just going to be bringing down that uh, intelligence <laughs> factor. Our next topic tonight is really looking back at the month that was, the month of May. If you haven't checked your calendar, today is the 1st of June, and so that means we have completed an entire month of St. Louis Cardinals baseball. And I'm going to toss it over to Tito since I put him in the hole last time and have you just give us some of your takeaways from the month of May. What were some positives? What were some negatives? What were some of the things that really jumped out to you as a surprise? Just let us know what you thought of our birds on the bat over this last month. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway from the Cardinals month of May was they were able to sustain a little consistency for a pretty good amount of games. And, you know, that April was pretty rough. And then come May, the start of May, they really reeled off a couple wins in a row and then that turned into two sweeps and then it turned into winning you know uh what was it 11 out of you know 13 at one point so it it was nice to see the cardinals build some consistency in their play then on the flip side um they threw that all away that's the biggest negative is that when they had the opportunity to keep piling on because Think about where the Cubs are right now, six-game losing streak, and have the Cardinals won a couple more games in between. You're talking about a bit sizable lead on the Chicago Cubs heading into June. You know, that's you know, I know it's still kind of decently early, but there's not that much time left in the season. So to to gain the ground and then to just throw it all away is a really, really frustrating thing. I mean, they ended up with a 12 and 13 record, or I guess, yeah, 12 and 13, no, 13 and 13, excuse me, uh, record through May, and that brought them to 500. In my May piece that I did, you know, a couple weeks ago, I thought the Cardinals were going to be right around the 28 and 25 mark, so I wasn't that far off, but they gave away some absolutely horrendous games thanks to the bullpen and thanks to the stagnant stagnant offense and I guess those are I guess a couple other negatives that that I can see from from the month of May is that boy the bullpen just needs some retooling and the offense it just needs a spark and and I'm I and I said it last episode you guys wanted trades for Penn I wanted offense so shame on you guys Ouch, my ego is really hurt by that. How about you, Josh? What do you have to say? Uh, I'm coming around to the uh, idea of um, getting some offense out instead of Penn, but when it comes to the month of May, I think there's two bright spots and a whole bunch of negative. The first bright spot, clearly the first half of the month, that road trip, uh, where we went 6-0 and against Atlanta and Miami was awesome. Taking two out of three from the Cubs was great. Then you go into the Boston series, the Giants series, the Dodgers series, the Rockies and the Dodgers again. Just thankfully we split with the Dodgers, but before that it was just a brutal stretch. and It just kind of made, you, made all the fans kind of forget how well they were doing in the first half of the month going on that nice little tear. And it's always funny to me when I talk to friends or I see other fans talking, it's like how quickly you forget. And I know that it's, what have you done for me lately? But if it's a long season, these things are going to happen. You can't get on the ledge after a little stretch like this. You got to think 
back to kind of when they were playing well. And the uh, this kind of leads into the other bright spot for, for me for May was the main part of this team that's playing well is the starting pitching. I mean, how incredible have they yeah. been? What was supposed to be a huge question mark for this team after Alex Reyes went down was what is this starting pitching going to do? Because going into it, it was – Carlos Martinez is going to lead the way. Lance Lynn's back from injury. Who knows what he's going to do? Adam Wainwright is not the same Adam Wainwright that he was. Mike Lee signed a huge contract and it is essentially terrible now. And Michael Walker can't stay healthy. His shoulder will probably fall off. And now you're looking at the best pitching staff in the majors right now. That is hands down the best part of May for me. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%, Josh. I mean, think about it this way. Everybody was bagging on Adam Wainwright, and everybody was bagging on Carlos Martinez not pitching well. And all of a sudden, he cuts his braids off and is dynamite. So I'm going to chalk it up to the braids slightly. Um, But no, Josh, you're right. It's the starting pitching, and that has kept the Cardinals in these games. And you can't you can't really ask for more from your starting pitching, but I mean it's just overshadowed. It's way overshadowed by the bullpen and the in the offense. You can't you can't just roll your pitches out there. They give up two runs, and you guys we can't even score one. We can't score two. I mean that's that's the most apparent thing is that the offense is sputtering at a bad time. They needed to win more games this this month because later on, if you look at the Cardinals' schedule, it's going to be a, a it's going to be a pretty hectic July and August. June, actually, um, I'm working on a piece right now that I'm looking at the month of June. I think June is the biggest opportunity for the Cardinals to rack up a ton of wins because they are not playing really anybody that great besides the Diamondbacks and uh, the Cubs. So I think it's really important that the Cardinals address this offensive issue now than later. Yeah, you know, I actually have the schedule pulled up here and taking a look at it. Three at Chicago, that's not going to be easy, Um, just considering where they are. But after that, it's four at Cincinnati, three at Philadelphia, three at Milwaukee, Actually, a doubleheader, so it's four at Milwaukee. Then you go to Baltimore, which I do love some interleague play. But mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a Baltimore team whose best player is hitting just over 200 in, in Manny Machado. And not only that, but they're also – they've lost, I think, almost – you know, they were losing at least seven in a row. They won the other night. But they've fallen completely off the map in the AL East. Yeah, it's kind of impressive how far they've fallen. And then you end the month with uh, – Three against Philly, three against uh, Pittsburgh, a makeup with Cincinnati, three against Arizona, and then you start a series to end the month at Washington. The end of the month is the only part I'm scared of. The right. Arizona, three against Arizona, and then starting a series against Washington. If they don't take advantage of this month, we're going to be in for a long summer. Well, that's what, I, and that's what I'm saying is, is that you're getting all this good starting pitching now. And if that carries over into the month of June and your offense is not there, you're right. It is going to be a really long month. I mean, they honestly should should take all four games against Cincinnati. They should be able to do that. They should be able to sweep Philadelphia. I've got them pegged to split the two with Midwaukee or split the four with Milwaukee. I got them losing to Baltimore just because it's in Camden Yards and the Cardinals don't play there that often, so they have to adjust to the field. But then you see the Phillies again. You should be able to take at least two from them in that series. Pittsburgh should be a sweep. I mean, you're you're talking about an easy, maybe a 16-win month. That's quite a bit of wins considering where they ended up in May. So let me ask you both, because I think you bring up a really good point. Would you rather face the Cubs or 
I guess my question is, who, who, who would you rather face and not face in the June schedule? Who do you think we should fear in the June schedule? Arizona, we fear just because of how well they're playing now. They could fall off at any point because I'm not sure that they have the pitching to keep it up. Um, I think they're very top-heavy, even though I think Robbie Ray is a very good pitcher and, complete, and very underrated. After him and Grinky, it gets kind of questionable. Uh, you always have to fear the Cubs, especially in a rivalry game. T- players always play up to their competition like that. Um, and that lineup at some point is going to break out. And I think the one thing that you don't fear near as much is their pitching. Uh, and I think Milwaukee is, is something someone I don't fear. I don't think that they can hang on to this pace. Um, I think in the long run, that's going to actually hurt them. Because uh, I think they're going to think that they're contenders longer than they should, and they'll hold on to Ryan Braun instead of trading him and getting better for the future. Uh, I'm extremely excited to see the Phillies six times because I think that that's gonna that could be six wins right there. Definitely not afraid to see them. Yeah, I would say the, my biggest fear um, is definitely Arizona. They're playing really great baseball. I will tell you, I'll, I'll be completely 100% honest. I am fearing Milwaukee only on the fact that their offense has shown up whenever we've come to play them. They have been great. Their pitching, not so great. I mean, I was looking at their starters for uh, next, that series. You're looking at Jimmy Nelson, who the Cardinals have hit well. Uh, they don't have a starter announced for the nightcap in the doubleheader because Junior Guerra – is out, but they typically hit Junior Garawell. And then we get to see our old uh, good buddy, Matt Garza, who has like a six-point-something ERA at this point. So, I, you know, I don't fear that. And Zach Davies, who is probably their best pitcher, you know, he only goes five innings <laughs> every single time he goes out to pitch. So it's really the offense of Milwaukee that I'm scared of and and not so much the pitching. But – at the same time, you know, it works both ways. you got to show up to pitch. Your bullpen has to perform. And in my June piece, that's a common theme that I hit on, is that if you want to win these games, the easy games, lights out. You have to pitch, and you have to show up to hit. If you want to win the close games, your bullpen has to be your biggest strength. Get a lead, put pressure on, and close out the games. O has looked better. Rosenthal has looked good. You know, they're, they're probably an arm, a bullpen arm away from being really, really good. And, you know, they need a bullpen arm, but I'm more concerned about getting runs on the board than I am, you know, giving up runs in games, especially the way that the starters have been pitching. So I guess I feel Milwaukee – um, I would have said I feared Cincinnati, but they have fallen completely off, and none of their starters scare me for their that series. So I, I'm really just looking at Milwaukee, Chicago, and Arizona. I mean, again, Baltimore, I'm just kind of chalking that up to you're playing a team at a different time. But at the same time, you know, the most important thing that you, that I took out of my kind of research in this month of June is that Milwaukee actually plays Los Angeles, the uh, the Cardinals, and I think it's the it's uh, the Diamondbacks, all in consecutive ten games before leading up to the Cardinals series. So the Cardinals need to win games while the Milwaukee Brewers fall out. And if that happens, the Brewers might find themselves already out of a playoff spot by the time they show up in St. Louis. And that would be the moment that the Cardinals would want to pretty much kick them while they're down. I mean, here's, here's their, here's their uh, lineup. Three against L.A., four against San Diego, and then three in Arizona. That's a pretty tough, that's a pretty tough run leading into St. Louis, especially division games. So I think St. Louis is, again, June is a prime month to rack up some wins and put some distance between your uh, division rivals. 
You know, let me add this. The thing that really worries me, and, and I agree with everything you guys said, but the thing that worries me is when the Cardinals play a team like Cincinnati that they should have no problem defeating, that always seems to be the kryptonite. And that just worries me. You know, I think that we oftentimes will go in and play teams that are great teams, and it seems like the Cardinals rise to the occasion. On other times, they go in and they play a team like a Cincinnati, and they get their rear ends handed to them. And that's a very frustrating thing. It's something that happened in 2016, and it seems to be a pandemic that continues here in 2017. So I just would say, from my perspective, it worries me about the Cincinnati series only if we continue our past behaviors. That being said, when we come back from the break, I want us to talk about the May MVP from each of our perspectives. So stick with us. Thanks for sticking with us. You are listening to Episode 5 of the official Redbird Rants podcast. I'm Michael Miles, editor of Redbird Rants, and joined in this episode by Tito Rivera and Josh McDonald. Guys, right before the break, we said we were going to come back and talk about who we thought was the May most valuable player on the St. Louis Cardinals. And let's toss it to Josh first. And Josh, have you tell us who you think is the May most valuable player, and then Tito, you jump in. I'm going to give that one to a guy I wrote about about two weeks ago, uh, Adam Wainwright. In my article, I said that the Adam Wainwright that the Cardinals needed was a guy that could go out there and get them quality starts. In May, he did that. He went 3-0 and with two no decisions and a 2.64 ERA. If he can continue to do that for the Cardinals, there's – no limit to what we can do as long as the bullpen holds up because Adam Wainwright going from who we saw to start the year to where he is now is impressive to say the least. So he is definitely my May MVP. I will not only will I agree with Josh that if I had to pick a single player on the Cardinals roster right now for an MVP award in May, it would definitely be Adam Wainwright for the exact same reasons that you listed. But I'll take it just a step further, and I'll say realistically the MVP of the Cardinals for May is the starting pitching. I mean, they have been the best strength for the Cardinals this, you know, this last month. They're the, you know, Josh said it earlier, it's the number one starting rotation in Major League Baseball right now. The starting pitching has just been absolutely great. I mean, there's no, there's nothing else I should really say about it. I, I'm going to leave it at that. Well, I'm going to go a different route from all of, from both of you, and I'm going to say that the MVP for the Cardinals in the month of May was manager Mike Matheny. I couldn't what? even keep it straight <laughs> while saying that. Yeah. No, absolutely not. I, I, I completely agree with both of you. I was actually going to say Adam Wainwright as well. And I say that after I had already, you know, land blasted him before. So I am just impressed with his, his last couple starts. Watching him come back to form is great. Uh, and, you know, honestly, watching, watching him have fun in the dugout, watching Matt Carpenter have fun with him. Uh, watching Martinez have fun again. These are the things that when you are winning, it's easy to do. And when you are not winning, it's very difficult to do. So I uh, just thought I'd toss out there the Mike Matheny and see if you guys hung up the phones pretty quickly. <laughs> moving, to our next, moving to our next topic then, let's look ahead. We are uh, 59, 60-some-odd days away from the trade deadline. What do you think the St. Louis Cardinals need to be as they approach – the end of the month of July, right? If you, if the trade deadline were tomorrow, would you have the Cardinals be buyers or sellers today and why? And who, if, if we were buyers, who would you add? And if we were sellers, who would you subtract? Go ahead, Tito. Okay, sure. Uh, I think if I were the Cardinals and the right now, the trade deadline was tomorrow. I'm a buyer for sure. And I would definitely, and I've been an advocate for this for so long at this point that it almost hurts, but 
I would be a complete advocate for going to get somebody like an Evan Longoria from Tampa Bay. Um, maybe Josh Donaldson. I'm a little iffy on that one, but I'd prefer Longoria. And if, if you could swing it without giving, you know, two arms and two legs, I would consider even bringing Manny Machado in. And I know he's not a free agent next year. You get a year and a half of service from him, but maybe in that next year, he sees enough in St. Louis where he's like, hey, I want to stay. But, you know, that's, that's probably the most unrealistic scenario because of his age and how good he is, and not that the others aren't. But uh, I would be definitely be a buyer for that. And honestly, I would go get. I would see how much I could, uh, how how much I would give up to go get Kelvin Herrera from the uh, from the Kansas City Royals. I think him in the seventh inning uh, with Matt Bowman and Brett Cecil. Gosh, I can't even believe I said that. But um, I think that would shore up the bullpen very nicely. But let's say the Cardinals were sellers. Uh, the first person I would probably sell would probably be Lance Lynn because of his impending free agency or his contract situation. He's pitched pretty well after this Tommy John surgery, and, you know, a team like the Yankees, who needs starting pitching, would be a pretty good fit, honestly. And I would probably also think and consider um, – probably moving Jed Jerko or Matt Carpenter. Probably not a, a, a fan favorite with Matt Carpenter, but I would probably consider one of those two. Now, I have to agree with Tito on one thing so far. I do <laughs> think that we should be buyers. Um, that's That one's easy for me. This isn't like we're in the in the NL East or the NL West, and we're looking looking up at the Nationals or looking up at the Rockies, who have been absolutely crushing it lately. Where the NL Central is fairly mediocre so far, and no one's really taken control of it. So I don't think that for any reason should the Cardinals be a seller, and I don't intend for them to be this year. I think that. I don't know that fans would know how to handle that because in my lifetime as a diehard Cardinals fan, I can't, I can't remember a year where we were like actual sellers. We've always kind of been in it and we've always been making trades at the deadline to improve the team. And I don't know that the Cardinals would be the best team to be sellers. This, when a team is a seller, they need to trade off guys who, are in the last year of their contract, have some value to teams for playoff run. The only one that looks like that to me is Lance Lynn, as Tito said. So there's two things we agree on. I don't think there's going to be too many more, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, because Jed Jerko is locked up at a fairly reasonable rate through 2020. So I don't want to move him, even if he it becomes that super utility guy who's playing all over the field. I do, I, and, but spends a decent amount of time on the bench. I don't want to move him. And I don't think the Cardinals are the type of team that would move Carpenter. I think that that, would, that goes away from what they normally do. For this team, though, what they have is a fair amount of young guys who, are, who we've recently kind of made a focus of extending in Wong and Piscotti. And then we have quite a few decent prospects. And then we have guys that really don't have any value on the trade market, like Johnny Peralta. He, you might be able to get a bag of balls for him, but they're going to be they're going to be used from batting practice. Um, Scuff marks. Yeah, there's going to be quite a few on those. Um, but when I this is this year, I think for me is the year that the Cardinals make a big splash to a certain extent when it comes to the trade deadline. Um, it makes way too much sense to me because this team has seen quite a push by young guys to be, to get involved. Sierra, Flaherty, Weaver, Carson Kelly, the young Bader, they all can't have a spot on the major league roster. 
So and you're not just going to have them drowning and potentially losing value in the minors. So I think we're going to see a big-time trade and who who that could be. Tito already mentioned some third basemen, but maybe some outfielders. Uh, J.D. Martinez, uh, Matt Kemp, uh, if you want to settle for like a Justin Upton. I think that putting a guy like that in left field and then slotting – Slotting them in at the four or the five to get a little bop in the lineup would be a uh, be a big beneficiary to the lineup because that's something we're kind of missing. This team was hitting home runs left and right last year, and they're kind of missing that bat in the middle of the lineup to hit the ball out of the park. And the only other thing I had that wasn't a uh, a bat was Calvin Herrera. So there you go, Tito. Three things we agree on. Congratulations, you're officially smart because you agree with me. <laughs> I I just want to say, I just said I would consider trading Matt Carpenter. Not that I would. All right, I'll give you that, but bringing that up at all is a pretty shocking thing to me. I, I agree, but at the same time, if somebody's coming around with you know two three prospects that are highly rated. You know, I wouldn't. I would. I bet my eye at it. Yeah, you know what, Tito? I'm right there with you. I, I would too. And I think that the Cardinals would be fools to not consider it, depending on what the what's come in over on the ship, if you will. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to mention a couple of names that I think are likely to find themselves with another team at the trade deadline, and those would be the likes of Jose Martinez maybe even a Tommy Pham. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Harrison Bader is, is elsewhere. Um, you know, I, I do agree with you guys, but I think the big piece that we have that we could give to someone to pick up a big name is Lance Lynn. I think that makes a lot of sense. I know Lynn says that he wants to come back and he would love to be extended. Um, and that's probably what I would say too, if I were on a team, because if you're writing me a check, I would love to be extended. Um, and, and so I, I see that happening. I, I do think that third base is our target. I hadn't considered the outfield, but, Josh, you made some really wonderful points about picking up somebody for the outfield. And um, notice I'm tossing the kudos to you, Josh, and I'm really trying to stay away from Tito. Um, but all of that said, no, I, I, think that <laughs> I, I think that at the end of the day, we absolutely are buyers, and I think we're going to be giving up, like you guys said, some of the young prospects that we have who just the likelihood of them actually coming up to the majors and sticking there is, is something that's not, not really what, what's going to happen. Now, personally, we've got just a couple minutes left. Go, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, personally, I honestly think that uh, DeJong is up for an, inter- or an audition, essentially. That's how I see it. You know what? I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I would hate to see him go somewhere else, but if he can bring somebody back for us, then I'm not upset about that either. No, I, all I of think that said, except for an audition. So yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I think you're right. Um, all of that being said, we've got about six minutes left, and what I'd love to hear is we like to finish off our podcast with our power rankings of the National League and the top five. Just what's standing out to you. Um, in this last couple of weeks, and as we look forward, what, who do you think, who do you put into those top five? And let's start with you, Tito, and then over to Josh. Sure. So not much is actually going to change for me. I'm going to stick with the Washington Nationals as my number one team, and then a trio of NL West teams with, I'm actually going to go with the Dodgers, Colorado, and then Arizona, and then to round out my top five, I still think St. Louis is the top five team right now in the NL. Yeah, for me, um, mine actually looks quite a bit different than last week. Um, number one, I had the, I moved the Nationals in. Uh, I think they're just, they're just too much. Uh, I think they have every piece except for – what everybody thought a closer, but Coda Glover's kind of been pretty phenomenal since lately, since they put him back in that closers role. Uh, and then I have the trio of NL West teams 
but mine goes Rockies, Diamondbacks, Dodgers. And then my fifth team, and the only reason I put them there was because if at the end of the day they're in the playoffs is the Brewers. Um, there's really no other reason behind it. Know that they really are the fifth best team, but they're in the playoffs and no other team is. So I had to include them. Boo. I know that one hurt a little bit. <laughs> uh, so my top five, and I, I'm very similar to the both of you, but I actually had the Rockies and the Nationals tied at the top. Um, I also have the Diamondbacks in there. I have them actually ahead of the Dodgers. So I've really got a tie for first between the Rockies and the Nationals, then a tie for third, as it would be, between – the um, Diamondbacks and the Dodgers with maybe the Diamondbacks edging out the Dodgers just a little. And the only reason I say that is because the Cardinals did a really nice job of helping the Dodgers look pretty good in those first two games, but then they kind of showed some of the weakness of the Dodgers too in that last game. Uh, Maybe my opinion will be different next time when we, when we do the podcast, because we will get a chance to see if the Diamondbacks prove that they're a, higher than what we have ranked them in the top five of power rankings, or if the Cardinals will make them not look so good, you know, that seems to be a role that we have used. Now for my last position in the top five, I was really torn on this one. Uh, When I was looking over the agenda today and and thinking about what I put the Cardinals up there and I, I, I just don't know that I can. And then I thought, well, what I put the Brewers, like you said, Josh, and I don't know that I can do that either because I don't think they have the staying power. Now, but we're not supposed to be looking at staying power when we give the power rankings for right now. So I guess when I'm looking from that perspective, I've got to agree with you, uh, Josh, and put the Brewers up there. They are on a tear. And, and I'm going to tell you, they've got nothing to lose, and that makes them very, very, very dangerous. Those are my, those are my mm-hmm. top five. <laughs> Okay, so in the time that we have left, I promised Tito that we would turn the agenda over. We would move a little bit away from baseball and let Tito talk for just a minute because he may be the only one of us on this podcast who cares about the Champion League final prediction in that great sport of the real football. Tito, I'm going to give you a couple minutes. I'm already regretting this. Sorry, Josh. Pop open a beer and just sit back and let's hear Tito talk about his final prediction. Tito, go ahead. Lucky for you, Dr. Miles. Josh actually likes soccer, so he'll appreciate it somewhat. But uh, for those of you who are... Wait, wait, wait. How is that lucky for me? (laughs) hey you guys pick the brewers you let me talk fair fair uh but for those of you who are soccer fans the champions league finals on saturday 145 central time real madrid versus it's going to be a really good game i personally think that real madrid is just too good of a team they're going to probably win it i would say three to one However, I'm a huge FC Barcelona fan, and I would hate to see them win. So I am hoping I am wrong and that Juventus actually wins 3-1. to one. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go all in on Juventus just to go opposite of you. I'm just going <laughs> to say a nice little one nothing victory, the type of game that makes people love watching soccer. Hey, you stay out of this then. <laughs> Um, On another side note, um, before we end real quick, I want to say that as I know a lot of Cardinal fans were upset when uh, Luis Robert was not uh, a Cardinal at the end of last week, but according to some uh, baseball Baseball people, including Ben Badler, the Cardinals had been connected to Hector Mendoza, a Cuban pitcher who has been pitching in Japan, uh, who Ben Badler from Baseball America actually had as, as a top 15 available talent back in April. Wow, what a great, great piece to have us go out on. And, Josh, thanks for that piece of news. I hope you're going to be writing up a rumor piece on that because that's something that our readers love. 
Uh, we've got just a couple seconds left. Tito, I know you're working on a piece that looks at the June schedule, so just to put that out there. And, Josh, what are you working on right now? It looks like I'm going to need to write something up about Hector Mendoza. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, guys, thanks for joining me tonight, and you guys check us out at redbirdranch.com. And with that, we're out, and go Cardinals. Go Cardinals.